You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You're not the most approachable you write? guy. Yeah, I actually write for the people across the hall. I had no idea. Yeah, oh, not that's like great. not like hot take columns like you write. No, I just didn't you know write, you wrote you write at all. Copy, right? Good yeah. for him. Yeah, excellent job, Kenny. Did Ol- not know that. Olsen. shut up. Wild Jim. should fire everybody. <laughs> no, that'd be Gophers. I will come. The Gophers, the Gophers might actually. Yep. We'll talk about that. Judd's going to do some reporting on the show today. He reports. Judd reports. Huh? Out of mothballs, Kenny. In the four games of this series, and it's one apiece. People make mistakes. That's the world we live in. And I know more than ever, Polanco needs a little love right now. And uh, uh, that's my brother, so that that comes first. Uh, With that being said, we don't want performance-dancing drugs in our game whatsoever. Well, that's our brother. We got his back, and uh, he needs a little love right now. He'll get it from us. He needs a little. He needs a little. He just needs a multivitamin. Okay, <laughs> just a from a reputable to, source. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he needs it from. Just, a reputable source. You know, I find you can't go wrong if you just go to like the Target pharmacy section and pick up a bottle of vitamin B. It's very clearly labeled. Do you ever go to either uh, like Target or? A CVS or something, and they got those. Well, you might not go to the supplement aisles. I don't go. No, I have no idea what <laughs> you you're talking. I'm going to admit right now, I have no idea what you're talking about. But he said, never in his been to one, never will be to one. He said in his statement, which was crafted by I'm sure 14 PR people, Jorge really Blanco, well the substance I requested from my athletic trainer in the Dominican Republic and consented to take was a combination of vitamin B12 and an iron supplement, something that is not unusual or illegal for professional athletes to take. Unfortunately, I was not given that supplement, and I take full re- I was given something else, basically, is what he was saying. Okay, when you go to, like, Target and get a bottle of B12, it says B12 on the bottle. Mm-hmm. So, like, did someone... <laughs> Which means it's not illegal. If the C- we almost need rules for baseball players. Okay, if you pick up a bottle and the label is scratched out and the little seal at the top has been broken into, don't take what's inside, well, it okay? Said, it said B12 on the bottle he had. Just before that, it said this might be. Yeah. <laughs> We're not sure, actually. Uh, the, the, the statement oh. continues, and this is like, it's... It's kind of funny. I mean, hell, the the drug well, that he tested positive for ends in LOL. It's the same thing that Irvin Santana got popped for a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Every bone in my body wants to appeal the suspension, Polanco said. But out of respect for Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and Paul Mahler, my coaches, teammates, and the entire Twins organization, I've decided to withdraw my request to appeal and will begin serving my suspension immediately. My hope is that this extremely disappointing situation, uh, or through it, other players will learn from my mistake. Can we stop right there? <laughs> Can we please, whoever crafts these statements, can we please start crafting them just as a semblance of like the real person might say them? Do you think that Jorge Polanco ever in his life has used the phrase, every bone in my body? 
I feel like that's a phrase used by people my age or older. And the band Poison. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, can't we just craft the statement to be... I, I'm not saying that, that you have to admit guilt, although you might as well if you're going to accept a suspension, but can we start to craft it a little bit like Jorge Polanco or the person who, who is suspended, whatever the case might be, might say it? I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's every always fiber these fine crafted... Every fiber of my being yeah. believes that I can't wait to play for the Minnesota Twins LLC as soon as possible Listen. at Target Field. Go Summer, go Twins. Jorge Polanco. This is an injustice. My trainer has duped me and screwed me over. I am not guilty of this, but out of respect to everyone else involved, <laughs> I will not fight this. I will not try to clear my name. Uh, let's say if your trainer from a shady garage in Santo Domingo hands you pills from a shoebox, don't take them. Mm-hmm. Don't take them. That's a good rule of thumb. If 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 it's not a Twins trainer or a Major League Baseball, if it doesn't say in block letters, this is approved by Major League Baseball, don't take it. Mm-hmm. Like why are you why are you taking something from a trainer in the Dominican Republic with no affiliation? I would assume with the Twins. Here's another rule. If your trainer is named, has an unnecessary Y at the end of his or her name, like if it's Johnny instead of John or Tommy instead of Tom and has greasy, slick back hair like a used car salesman, don't take the supplement. Then it might be a bad idea? Yes. If you can't pronounce the name of the supplement, don't take the supplement. Here's the thing that drives me nuts, and this seems to happen in baseball more than any other sport. How uh, how during the the winter time the teams seem to lose track of, of players. Like you're making either hundred thousand or million dollar investments in guys, right? But Miguel Sano just conveniently goes home and gets fat. Oh man, he came back fat. We'll have to work on it. You are making the investment in that player means, and, and it is an investment. So so we're not talking about we want him to be happy as a person because we no he is an investment, and you're going to pay him as that. And the whole thing of, well, this guy just went, went home and he took some supplements and that's too bad. If I ran a team, I'd be going crazy. I right, pay these guys way too much to just, well, he arbitrarily went home and got fat and that's too bad. Hope he can get, get in shape yeah, for the season. And took some like black market pills yes. from some you know dingy garage in the Dominican Republic. The problem is, so in football, they've collectively bargained and the players have actually like been able to strip some of this away, but... In football, you get your season ends in uh, January or February for some, and then you get like two months off until well, maybe three. What's my math? Until April, and now now in April you have to show up for workouts. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's mandatory. But they have more checkpoints throughout oh, the offseason. Way season. more checkpoints, yeah. In baseball, the season too. is so long, and spring yeah. training starts in February. You only really get like three months off in the offseason. Yeah. And so players just want to get away for three months, okay. and they do their own workouts. I'm with you. Here's my it's, rule. It's unsettling if I'm Derek Falvey to know that Miguel Sano is eating, you know, cheeseburgers I all I want to see you in December. In, actually, what I would do is, at the very least, I, I would collectively bargain it. So that if you are, let's say, 25 or or younger, you have to report to me at least once by December 15th. I got to see you. Like this whole thing of, well, he showed up at Twins Fest and he weighed 400 pounds. That's just a shame. No, that's not a shame. That is negligence. So so perhaps if you are are in your second or third contract, then I can wait until spring training to see you. But this would drive me crazy. If I owned or ran a team, this would absolutely drive me up the wall. I also want to know, sometimes the timing can be different on these uh, you know, these PED tests. 
Did he test? Do we know when he tested positive? Did, 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 did he not, test positive it, in spring training, or did he test positive when he tore the cover off the, the ball? The story didn't give that timeline. Okay, so because it because it well might have been before this. Yes, and I mean, obviously, if he tested positive in spring training, it's possible, if not likely, he was taking something in the second half of the year last year. Uh, this was his performance, Jorge Polanco. From August 2nd until October 1st, the end of the year, so a two-month stretch, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. He hit 10 home runs over that stretch, which extrapolates out to a 30-home run pace, drove in 42, which is, over the course of six months, would be a 124 RBI pace, and also had a batting average of 316 and an OPS well over 900, which is insane. Yeah, it looked good. It did look good. It looked really good at the time. But it makes you wonder, I mean, this this is all... This is where you get into the gray area of, okay, was he taking a but PED like, during his performance? How much did that what, impact his performance? Was his trainer sending it to him at that time then? I don't know. It's all very my point. My point is, my point is, if I employ you and I pay you lots to play for me, the only supplements I want you to take are ones that go through my team. So when your trainer calls up and says, Jorge, you're struggling. I got a great idea. I'm going to, I'm going to... FedEx you a box full of pills. Just start taking them arbitrarily, it's, it's and it's going to help you? It's Acme. It was an Acme box. Here's another rule. If the box of supplements says Acme on the front, don't take the supplements. Just stay away. Oh. So he's out for 80 games. Good thing they have a guy in Eduardo Escobar who can play every position on the diamond and hit 20 <laughs> bombs last year. You might have to play he, third end short. third base might be, yeah. So Ira Andrianza and uh, Eduardo Escobar is going to be your... I don't think Nick Gordon's going to be up right away, but... It definitely opens the door. Ding, ding. At midcourt, extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole! And another one is done! Xavier knocked out by Florida State! Here comes the player of the year, the FNC rises! a lot of heart, a lot of determination, uh, no quit, some halftime adjustments of strapping and trying to speed them up. Nothing feels better than this. Nothing. Sweet 16. Did you see Muscleman, Minnesota connection? Yeah. He uh, took his shirt off before going into the locker room because he knew that they were going to dump like water and stuff all over him. No, I did not. So like scrawny Muscleman runs into the locker room, shirt off with his dress pants, just like swinging his tie over his head. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I missed that. Can't well, say I'm sorry, beautiful. but I missed it. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, this also proves, and then we had the 16-1 upset. And they almost, the 16 seed, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, almost won again yesterday. It came down to the wire. It was like a 40-40 to game. It was like 80 points Kansas total. Kansas State, right? Uh, yes. Yesterday? It goes, uh, my, my theory has long been, if you take away the numbers, the greatest, one of the greatest sports inventions is just putting seed numbers next to teams or games that you otherwise wouldn't care about. Because if someone elbowed you and said, hey, uh, so Baltimore, Maryland is going to be playing uh, Virginia in a basketball game. Mm-hmm. As part of like this big tournament with 64 teams, how interested are you? You're going to be like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but if uh, I tell you, hey, there's a 16 seed that's beating a one seed, and that's never happened before. When we put the numbers next to the teams, you're all in. You're going crazy. As a matter of fact. It's so much more fun to watch. I, I was all in on uh, the, the wild game on Friday night. 
and the wife was upstairs watching TV, and she called downstairs, and she said, a 16's beating a 1. See, like the wife who probably doesn't yeah. otherwise care. And so so I quickly turned, but to my surprise, I thought to myself, okay, a 16's beating a 1, but it's probably early second half, and it's very close, right? I was shocked when I saw it was late, and it was a blowout. I never, I never thought the first time a 16 beat a one, I would tune in. I think it was an 18 point difference at the time, and it was they were a, up by 18. It was like a 40 point difference from the spread, which was over 20. Wow! So unbelievable. And then yesterday, Dave and I were talking about this before the show. If you were just to say, "All right, hey, Xavier's playing Florida State, and uh, it's kind of coming down to the wire." You'd be like, okay. And then I ask you, like, which team would you think, like, you haven't watched a lot of college basketball this year. Xavier, Florida State, you know, who, what kind of a gap is there and who and who would have the advantage? You'd say, I don't know, like, maybe Xavier's a little, I don't know, Florida State's ACC. I would have no clue. But if I say it's a one seed <laughs> right. and a nine seed, yep. and the nine seed's about to beat the one seed coming back from down 12, you'd be like, whoa. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a fun weekend. Did you guys see the poor Virginia kid in the post-game press conference? No, Ty I don't think Jerome so. was his name. Were you aware that a, a 16 had never won before, and did you just kind of dismiss that ahead of time? Um, I think everyone's aware of that. Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up again. But uh, yeah, I was aware of it. The most audible an eye roll has ever been right there. That's good. Wow, how about that for a thanks, condescending A-roll. question? That's one of the most. That's like a <laughs> condescending Hall of Fame question right there, right? <laughs> So you are aware of how horrible this loss is, right? You do re- realize that you embarrassed your school completely tonight, right? I mean, just totally com- you're an embarrassment, right? You are aware that you'll need therapy for the next 50 years to get over this, correct? Oh, that was a fun game, though. So they, they are the re- retrievers, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Yes, University of Maryland. Now, Chris Long now... now Kyle and I did the show on Saturday, and and we thought it was Golden Retrievers, but it turns out they're the Chesapeake Bay Retrievers. They're not even named after the Golden. So well, but they have gold uniforms, and people kept sending people in videos that, yeah. of like their Golden Retrievers watching March Madness in uh, solidarity. Now, it's also uh, Under Armour, I think Under Armour is the sponsor uh, that does the uniforms for UMBC, and someone put this might have been Ravel who put this up. It's the exact same color and font as the Teen Wolf uniforms from that Michael J. Fox movie in the that. 80s. That I don't know, and I don't know if it's coincidence. It's the same yellow and blue, sure. the same cursive font, and the same kind of old school 80s trim on the mm-hmm. uniforms. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just an amazing coincidence or if they actually have Teen Wolf style uniforms. I hope that they did it. The only thing they were missing is the fat, like chubby center guy who. <laughs> Wear short shorts Twitter and just stays out of was, the way. Was outstanding. That yeah, Twitter was like account one was guy. just great. He yeah. was in the arena. Yeah. And so Seth Davis, who was on our show a couple weeks ago promoting uh, his new book, he does the Sharpie bit for people who aren't familiar on Twitter. Whenever a game is almost over, if it's like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter or the second half and there's, there's a 20 point gap, he'll then put Sharpie, you know, Xavier, whatever it is. He Sharpied Virginia at tip off. On Friday night. Yeah, I saw that. And the UMBC Twitter account just kept tearing into him the entire night. It was pretty funny. But uh, he pretty much uh, dismantled all credibility that his Sharpie bit had by sharpening Virginia at the beginning of that game. That was a fun game, though. And the the game, the Florida State game, though, is a good point. Because I really think if you had asked me, if if you strip away the seeds of that game last night, I'd probably say, Florida State. No yeah, surprise. Right, maybe like I think yeah, you're Xavier's right about that. Pretty the more good, I think about that, yeah. If you hadn't watched much college I basketball, said that. 
for sure. And then some of these other games, like oh Syracuse and Michigan State, you'd be like, oh that's two of the that's two basketball powerhouses. But if I say eleven is about to upset a three, I'm going to turn to it. Crazy, you are correct. So it's it's it makes it more fun to watch. We actually have some potentially breaking Vikings news to start the show. I don't even know if you saw this right before the show started. We didn't we didn't uh, I didn't tell you this, but this came across Pro Football Talk. Okay. So we'll get to that. Also, uh, the Wolves. We have Wolves and Wild things to get to. The Gopher hockey team warrant some discussion here. Uh, Don Lucia's future very much in question. So we'll get to that later on this hour. And open phone lines if people want to chime in to 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Lindsey Whalen on the show at 10 o'clock. Wetmore on the Jorge Polanco suspension and twins. And a lot more. Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready or not. On 1500 ESPN. You like that? You like that? This is sort of as expected. The NFL always likes to go back and take maybe a, a great matchup from the playoffs and then kickstart the season the next year with that same matchup. Yeah, they did that 2010. The Vikings were involved in a rematch with the Saints. At the Superdome, that's uh, right. It happens with the Patriots on a regular basis. And here is the report, courtesy of ProFootballTalk.com. The NFL schedule hasn't been released yet, but the first game has reportedly been decided. The Vikings will visit Philadelphia to take on the Eagles in the annual Thursday night opener in the Super Bowl champions host stadium, according to longtime Philadelphia media member Howard Eskin. Um, It goes on to say the uh, Vikings game is probably the marquee game on the Eagles home schedule, both because it's an NFC championship game rematch and because the Vikings caught the biggest fish in free agency, Kirk Cousins. After a season dominated by news of falling television ratings, the NFL undoubtedly wanted to put a big ratings draw in the opening Thursday night slot, and the league sees Vikings-Eagles as a big one. I love it. This is great news, too, because it, it means it now frees up the first full Sunday to watch games. So you, you get the Vikings. If you're a Vikings fan, you get the Vikings-Eagles on Thursday night, red zone all day Sunday. Yeah. well, you, I got my plans done. Do you, If you're a Vikings fan, I guess if you're watching the game at home, do you sometimes watch through the lens of red zone just to, like, Cut through the fat. I I would I, I watch the whole Vikings game. I'm with Superstar I think, Studio. I think Vikings. I sense that if you're a huge fan of one team, I think most Vikings fans watch entire the entire game. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably like ninety percent. But if it's uh, but if there's not a, a Vikings game on on Sunday, I'm red zone the whole time. I don't go. I don't go to like one game and watch that. Yeah, I go red zone all day long. Now, when the Vikings are crappy, like they have been maybe once every five years, where like they're firing a coach or something, I will definitely watch Vikings games through the prism of red zone <laughs> if possible. You know, if I'm not like in studio doing a show right. with superstar Mike Morris, but that's uh, that's kind of what we thought. The other one that was maybe on the radar if if the Vikings were going to start the season was that juicy Patriots Vikings, but that wasn't that wouldn't have been a rematch like a rivalry from Absolutely, last right. year. So now, hopefully, for the Vikings' sake, this rematch and chance at revenge goes better than the Saints' version because they got beat. Yeah, you beat. And they the, didn't score points. But I think I think a lot of times, or I shouldn't say a lot, a few times when the Vikings have gotten revenge the next season, I want to say they opened the year after they lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs against Kansas City, and I think they won that game, ninety nine. Correct? They opened against the Falcons, and I think they won that game. Yeah. So. Until 2010, but of course that that year sort of fell apart quickly. If I recall, in 2010, didn't they start 0 and 2 or 0 and 3? 
I think they lost. I know they started 0-2-1-3. I know they started 1-3. Yeah. Well, they lost. Did they lose to the Lions like the week after or something? Yeah, they lost to the they lost to the Saints in the opener. And then I want to, didn't they come home and lose to Miami or something? Yeah. And they were 0-2, and, and I think it might have gone to 0-3 before they finally won a game. I believe it was 1-3, and, and then they had, maybe that's when they signed Randy Moss and they went and played that game against the Jets. Because that would have been early October, because the Twins were also playing in New York against the Yankees yeah, in the playoff right. series. Yep. You might be so, right. Something like that. Let's stay on Vikings here for a second because I got to think it, the Sheldon Richardson news didn't come down until after our show was over. He was visiting for two days and we kind of figured it was going to happen, but they land Sheldon Richardson, obviously Kirk Cousins. Is it too hot of a take to say that the Vikings roster, depending on who they add in the draft, which you'd think would improve the team, a couple starters in there, that this is a better roster now than it was when the season ended? Just because, and but they, they got rid of Jarius, right? They might still bring him back for less money, so we'll have to see about that third wide yeah, receiver you're spot. Still, you're still strong at the first two there for sure. Tom Johnson was very good. Sheldon Richardson is more of a yeah. game changing interior defensive lineman. The defensive lines improved on paper. Kirk Cousins might not be a huge upgrade from the 2017 Keenum, but it's more stability. And it probably offers you more upside going forward Del- at quarterback. Dalvin Cook will be back. Yes, that makes a huge difference. Yes, because he's going to be a great player. Uh, if yeah, and you're going to draft. I'm, I'm if they keep that first round pick, I'm almost certain that, that they'll take a guard because this draft is pretty deep with guards. So I would say the answer to your question is yes. I also think this, and and we've had this conversation on the show more often when it comes to baseball, but it's true for football too. If you look at how this team is now built. This is basically the blueprint for what we've talked about for a long time. Because there's a there's a certain portion of fans who say, go just sign guys. Just sign the best guys. And you always come back and say, you can't do that. What you can do is you can, you can add guys in from the open market, but you can't go get the basis of your team from that. Yeah. But go now look at the Vikings roster and see the amount of really good players they've drafted. And defense, you've drafted both your defensive ends, Linebackers, I think, are now all based all homegrown. Well, your two starters are for your, sure. Your two corners are homegrown. Harrison Smith is. Sandejo, I think you found off a scrap heap. My point being is this is the blueprint for what we've talked about a yeah. lot before, which is you draft guys, you develop guys, and then you say, okay, wh- where have we failed to do that? And you add those guys in yeah. off the open market. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to that, that team from – like 2007, eight, and then when they okay, then they added Jared Allen and Brett Favre to put that team over the top. Mm-hmm. But Kevin Williams was a first round draft pick. They already had their franchise left tackle in Bryant McKinney. Matt Burke was Pat, although he, he left, signed from Buffalo. Um, let's see, yeah, Ray Dr- Edwards was Green a draft Ryan, pick. Yeah, yeah. But Brian I mean, Robinson was a draft. It's the, pick. it's the same philosophy. Is is if you can now go add four to five pieces from the market mm-hmm. and then combine those with guys who you've developed, you're in really good shape. I think in general, with baseball and football, I mean, the rule of thumb should be the more players you have to fill out on a roster or the more players who have influence during a game, the more you have to build that core from within. You can't just fix a 5-11 and 11 team through free agency. There's too many There's too many pieces on the field. I mean, if your quarterback is good enough, if it's Aaron Rodgers, you can, I mean, that te- that's like a 5-11 and 11 team without Aaron Rodgers, and he's so good, he elevates them to... 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 or sometimes 13 and 3 or even 15 and 1 when they have a real roster around him. Uh, you know, in baseball, if you add a stud pitcher to a 90 loss team, now you're an 85 loss team. Right. Like you have to add five or six good players and you can't just do that in free agency because oftentimes in the and in, in this year it's the same case in the NFL. There's only like 
four or five real true blue chip players available in free agency. Now Sherman got cut, so the, the pool expanded once Richard Sherman got cut. I mean, there's a couple examples of like Donovan Sue is a blue chipper. He got cut, so the pool is expanded. Uh, but if you're if you're a four and twelve team and you say, all right, you know what, we're going to add like the Jets, Kirk Cousins and Richard Sherman. Yeah, they're not. And gonna, we're gonna now we're yeah. gonna beat the Patriots. No, you got to draft better. You, you yes. got to develop. And the Vikings have done all of that groundwork and bricklaying for a, ten years. Well, the last five years for this particular regime, mm-hmm. where they can say, all right, we need some seasoning, more stability at quarterback, and a stud defensive tackle. And now we're back. And Johnson was not bad. That that's the thing too is is. Johnson was not a bad player, but you say to yourself, okay, he's good, he's decent there, but if we put this this new guy by Joseph, they're going to be outstanding. I mean, this defensive line potentially could be an absolute nightmare. Until the Rams one-up you, because Donovan Sue is visiting Los Angeles today. Could you imagine Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald and, 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 Sue and Sue next to each other? That would trump, I think, Linval Joseph and Sheldon Richardson. Who are the Rams' defensive ends right now, too, though? Or, or defense, because they... The thing, the thing with the Vikings that impresses me is, is you've got Hunter and Griffin, Richardson and Joseph, and if you recall, Phil, for a long time, for a long time, how much did Vikings fans complain about you cannot find a, a right end to rush? That was the Jared Allen trade, which cost you a lot, mm-hmm. was done based on that fact. For a long time, this team could not find, they had decent defensive ends, but they drafted Udezi, who got sick. They drafted Erasmus James with, what, the 18th pick in the first round of 2005. The Vikings spent a good portion of at least the early 2000s desperately trying to find a defensive yeah. end that could rush, and now they got two of them. And they had like they had the Williams wall before they had Jared Allen, mm-hmm. and it shows you just how, like, Ray Edwards, I mean, there's a reason why that guy was wound up boxing two years later. I forgot about Ray. Sorry I mean, about Ray that. Edwards was over there. They had the William, they had the best, one of the top three defensive tackle duos and the best run-stopping duo. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting double teamed on the edge. If you can't get seven sacks in the season, then and Gri- sorry, man. And Gr- Griffin also is a very good example of why teams can't can't simply say, we don't draft bad guys. If you really thought that, so if you said to yourself, all we draft is character guys, if there's questions, they're done. Okay, Griffin was immature. Teams passed on on him. He was a first-round guy who went in the fourth round. Griffin and Cook, to me, are prime examples of what why this whole thing of, well, we're not going to take a guy who has any character. Qu-. No, you have to take those guys. Now, some are going to fail. Some are not going to mature but you found a a guy who would, if you went back and did that draft now, would be an easy first round pick, mm-hmm. probably top fifteen in the fourth round, because of the fact the team said, well, he's not mature, and we're scared of his background and this and that. At times, you've got to take those guys. Well, and like let's use so I don't know Sheldon Richardson. So he likes to drive fast and had some pot in the car. He might smoke some weed. Yeah, I don't know. Shocking. How, I don't know. Like I don't think there's been any domestic violence things or like I don't. So if it's just that he likes to drive fast, maybe he shouldn't be characterized as a bad character guy. I'm, I, I don't know if he can go that far. But let's just say he, all right, there's some questions. If you've got your 53-man roster and locker room and coaching staff and ownership up to front office, if it's all intact, you should never fear taking a potentially bad apple and putting him in that environment. The only reason you should fear it is if that environment is so weak and 
and questionable already that, oh, a bad apple is going to sway the whole thing. And can turn it toxic. And that's where, like, the Patriots don't have to run. They don't have to worry about that at all. I mean, they just traded for Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson, finally going to the Patriots. Not that he's a bad criminal apple, but he's just kind of, he's aloof and he's, you know, he's just. He's laid back. He is who he is. He's laid back about life. And they feel like, you know what, if it doesn't work and if he's just kind of a football cancer, then we'll just get rid of him. It's not going to affect our locker room because we have Tom Brady. Uh, Do you want to come back and speculate on Don Lucia? Yeah, I think there's uh, I think there's a lot to speculate there, and I think a lot of it's probably true right now. All right, Judd's going to roll up the sleeves when we come back here. And if you have thoughts on whether Don Lucia should or shouldn't come back after almost two full decades as gopher hockey coach, they whiffed on the tournament again for the second time in three years and the fifth time in ten years. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They seem to have really unusual names. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd. Keep it low. Keep <laughs> it low, very, low key to start this the This feels very here. FM-like right here. Smoothing it out. Uh, I was sort of shocked following very much from afar go for hockey this season. I thought they were like a 90% lock to get into the NCAA tournament. They, they were. What if, the hell happened if this If I'm weekend? not mistaken from following uh, Twitter accounts of several go for hockey uh Fans and also people that cover them on Saturday, they were a 90% lock to get in or more on Saturday afternoon after um, after the NCHC third place game. They had, get this, this is an all-timer. <laughs> they had to have six teams win their conference tournament finals on Saturday night, basically, for them to miss the NCAA tournament because it's done it's done through the pairwise rankings so it's not just it's not people sit down and they're like minnesota wasn't that good here and there and so we're, we're going to leave them out they mimic the pairwise okay so they start with basically the 16 best teams in the pairwise so, unless teams outside of that win their conference tournament right. so they had to have six things go against them on saturday air force bu michigan tech princeton denver notre dame all won their conference tournaments that knocked the Gophers out in the final pairwise. But they were only thirteenth, and like they're they're kind of riding on the edge. Oh, they definitely. I mean, my were. point is like it shouldn't. They've missed five no. out of the last ten NCAA tournaments. But this is an all, and they shouldn't put themselves in these no, positions. But this is an all timer. They they missed. They sat behind UMD by point zero 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 one. What does that mean? It's Explain a remarkable, that to people who don't know what the pairwise is. Uh, it's, so it's, it's just like they were that it's a close for, in the point. It's a formula that, that the NC2A has in place to, to decide who makes the tournament. So so you've got a board that selects it, but that board sits down with the pairwise and takes it from that. So they've got an exact formula for how they, uh, they seed the teams and place them in the NCAA men's hockey tournament. All of that being said, this has led to great speculation in the past day and a half that uh, Don Lucia, after 19 seasons, is likely going to be out as the Gophers' hockey coach. And I've been on record as saying, I do not blame Don for all all that's gone wrong with this program. You moved conferences, you alienated fans, you changed start times. There are a lot of reasons why Gopher hockey, as we sit here today, isn't close to being as popular as it was five or certainly ten years back. But I think it's time. And this is not, I like Don. So this is not a, he's terrible and has to go. This is a, I just think in 2018, there comes a time where coaches had a really good run. 
and you say to yourself, it just seems sort of stale, mm-hmm. and the players seem tired, and the fans are tired too, or or just not showing up. But sure, period. but they, yeah. but they're used they're used to be in sports where we would celebrate a college coach for being around for forty years. I think those days are gone. So Mark Coyle and Lucia are supposed to sit down at some point. Uh, but from the tweets that I've seen the past two days, and then doing some inciting myself last night. I have a feeling that uh, this is going to be it. And I think, and uh, Jess, Jess Myers, who's going to join us at 12.15 to talk about this, has said for a while on Patrick's show that he thinks that Don is going to retire. I think Mark Coyle is going to give him the option. And I think Mark is going to say, if you want to step down, that's fine, but we're going to make a change. Yeah, which is always like, all right. But that's but it doesn't have to be contentious. It, nope. do, it doesn't have to be, it, I don't think this... This year or two of the last three, it doesn't have to define Don Lucia. So we, we like to paint these black and white. Well, that's pretty much the problem in our country right now. It's just like there's no gray area. I think you can say two things. Don Lucia has had a really nice run, almost two full decades, at one of the top college hockey powerhouses in the country. He has two national championships. For a while, they were going deep in and or to the NCAA tournament on a regular basis. But also that lately... For reasons that some are out of his control with the Big Ten and scheduling and taking away, you know, some of these in-state rivalries on a a yearly basis. But also, in part, because the Gophers lose more games now than ever before. They don't make it to the NCAA tournament. There's only 60 teams that the pairwise tracks. 16 of them get into the NCAA tournament. Schools with 4,000 enrollment are getting in on a regular basis. These small little, you know, hockey powerhouses out east. And you're getting passed up by them. Penn State didn't become an NCAA D1 hockey program until like six years ago. So I think you can say it's been a great run. It's been almost two decades, two national championships, but things are very stale. You're not winning enough. You're getting passed up by teams like Penn State, Mm who would have no business passing up the Minnesota Gophers in hockey. Mm -hmm. Football, okay. Basketball, whatever. Uh, Hockey, no. That's where you have to draw the line for me. And he's only had two Frozen Four appearances in the last 13 years. And one of those, they gave up seven goals in the championship. It was a union, union a few years ago. So yes. it's just like, I'm with you. I don't think it has to be contentious. Oh, it shouldn't be contentious. I think you can laud him. I think you can move on to the next and try and freshen the program up. Yeah, and I, I think that that making a coaching change is not, is not going to fix all, all that ails you. But I do think at this point it would go a long way towards at least trying to, to give a— shot of enthusiasm to a program that desperately needs that. The landscape of college hockey has changed quite a bit. And and the notion that the Gophers are just going to be great on a yearly basis is probably gone. But to your point, I think the expectation at the start of every year should be that you're at least going to make the tournament. And when that starts to wane, that becomes a big yeah. problem. Uh, Hugh broke down the math here. Minnesota had a 98.2 chance of making the NCAA tournament at 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. By 10 that night, they were out. All six scenarios went against the Gophers, and they missed the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, yeah, obviously. Oh, like, yeah, it's, it's remarkable terrible, bad luck. It's yes. terrible luck. But also, your record on the season was 19-17-2. It wasn't like you rolled through the season and you know were and lost six games and all Penn year. And Penn State swept you four consecutive games. Yeah. So that stuff has to be factored into. Let's uh, take some phone calls here from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Bob, you're on the show. Yeah, hi, gentlemen. Hi, Bob. Huge Gopher hockey fan for the last 50 years, and everything you guys said basically about Lucia's, you guys are right on. But 
it's gotten to the point where you don't know who the Gophers are playing, you don't know what time they're playing, and whoever the Gopher head coach is in hockey should own the Twin City metro area, player-wise. And we lose so many players out of Twin City metro area that go to other schools in the state. I realize you only get so many scholarships, but you got you got to keep these kids here at at, at you that uh, that are from the Twin City uh, high schools. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, right, Bob. Bob. Yeah. Except he brought he brought up two problems that are very different. The recruiting one is on the coach. There's no question about that. But his first point is this: you don't know who they're playing or when. That's the problem. That's not not the coach's fault. There are two problems here, and and let's make this very clear: the Big Ten is not a bad conference. The Big Ten, I think, put four and nearly five teams in the tournament this year. So nobody is saying that the Big Ten stinks. But there is no questioning the fact that when the Gophers made the move from the WCHA to the Big Ten, they lost a lot of fans. So this is not a problem with the Big Ten product across the board. What this is is a problem with fans being engaged with the program. And as far as start times go and start days go, that's not a coach problem. So there's a lot to be done here. But he's right on the second half of that point, too, which is I do think that a new coach probably changes the dynamic of, of recruiting and generating interest from that end. So I do think shaking up the scheduling, and you, it used to be for years, the Gopher hockey games on Friday and Saturday night were on MSC and then Fox Sports North on a regular basis. And you knew what time, 7 o'clock or maybe 6 o'clock, just depending on time zones. So I'm actually going to rip fans a little for that. If you care that much about Gopher hockey, it ain't that hard to go to gophersports.com and check a schedule to see when one of your favorite teams plays, okay? It's not 1950 where you're flipping around your three channels and it's black and white and I don't have the internet. Like, if you really feel passionate about Gopher hockey, you'll find the time slot and the channel that they play on. But when you look at the schedule now, it's, I mean, there's no St. Cloud State. I'm just going to go through their schedule this year. As They're far as conference ri- games, ri- yes. rivalries it's, yes. that, that we have been this- hooked on for 20 years, 30 plus years. There's no Mankato. There's no St. Cloud. There's no, well, there was a North Dakota series um, at Grand Forks, but there's no regular. These rivalries that we got hooked on for 20 games. UMD, you played one time, I believe, in like a some kind of a tournament thing earlier in the year. Uh, 651-646-8255. Dan, you're on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Yeah, I really have nothing novel or original to say anymore. You guys pretty much checked it all off. But uh, I will say that I was in school. I started my career at the U of M when uh, Don Lucia had just been hired, and we replaced Doug Woog. And I think this is kind of a similar situation. Uh, we had done a good job, but it had just kind of grown stale, and we were starting to get passed up by teams like Denver and Colorado College, where Lucia came from back in the day. And now it's kind of the same thing, and we're being passed by St. Cloud and whatever Mankato State calls themselves anymore. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we used to chant junior college at them, you know, when I was in school to you. And, yeah. and, and now it's like a huge upset if we can – even play competitively with those guys. So uh, this is like the one sport in Minnesota where we, I don't know, it's literally the only sport where we can feel like we're Duke or we're entitled to be competitive every year. And yep, you're right. we, we, we cannot afford to lose that. So, yeah, I do think we should probably uh, – we did just try to go get Moscow or Hastings. There's no chance. I just – you know, I, I don't feel like Hastings or Moscow would even think about that. You know, I mean – I don't know about I know that. They, I know they – well, I mean, I know they built their programs up to successful, but 
people said the same thing about Lucia. I mean, he turned Colorado College into a power, and they were like, well, why would he leave them, you know? And he left in about 38 seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I think one of those guys would probably strongly consider that, too, especially since they were both assistants at the U. So thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah, Dan, it. Dan brings up good stuff, a really Dan. good point about, you know, we certainly don't feel that sense of, it's almost that sports sense of entitlement. It's kind of fun to have that because we don't get that very often in this town. The yep. Lynx give that to us. Go for hockey for a long time gave that to us. The pro sports teams certainly don't give that to us ever. It's the opposite. Go for hockey was it? Yes. And and to to your point though, just consider that the fact that you're a basketball guy and you elected to get go for hockey season tickets when because I was a of student, that. Yeah. No, but I'm saying that 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 is you you didn't get them because you love the sport. You got them because that was the one sport in which we were sort of a Duke like program. Yeah, it was like you go, dominated when you watch a Duke game on TV, Cameron Indoor Arena, and the you could the atmosphere just jumps off the screen at you. That was Mariucci Arena until about six years ago. I mean, in the, I think the peak of Mariucci Arena was from like 2000, probably 2000, 2001, up to like 2005 or six. And that was my wheelhouse as a student, Dave Harrigan too. And like, you, it didn't even matter. You didn't have to know any of the players on the opposing teams or know that like, you, know, you just went because it was a raucous, crazy yeah, and atmosphere, and the golfers were going to score nine goals on Mercyhurst or some crappy school that now surpasses you in the pairwise. Uh, phone lines are blown up on this. We'll get to Tim, David, Steve, 651-646-8255. Is it time? Two decades, almost two full decades, Don Lucia, is it time? Hey, you know what time it is? Mackie and Judd are back. Stand to your duty. On 1500 ESPN. Join 1500 ESPN and the Beer Show's Chris Reavers for the 2018 Minnesota Brewers Ball Saturday, April 7th at the International Market Square building in Minneapolis. Enjoy samples from more than 30 breweries, distilleries, and wineries, all while raising money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. The evening will also include great food and the silent and live auctions. General admission and VIP tickets are on sale now. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword (laughs) events. Uh, Joe tweets into the show. You got, you're right. You guys did a great job in the student section at Mariucci back in the early 2000s. But I can't wait to hear some of the old guys call you out on 75 through 91 in the old Williams. Oh well, yeah. Mariucci. I thought you you were saying in the new place because the old place was a different animal. Yeah, I'm saying in the Mariucci. Yeah. Mariucci opened in, in like 93. The new one did. That that the Mariucci peaked as far as. But you're saying the new in the building. Early yes, 2000s. that's absolutely true. Yes, the new building peaked. Um. Yeah. So the old place was a free for all. We've got a bunch of calls here. We're we're both kind of. If the Gophers decide, if if Mark Coyle decides, listen, it's been a good 19 year run down La Chia, but five missed NCAA tournaments in the last 10 years, and yeah, you got unlucky on Saturday night. But guess what? Like we can't miss. You're the basically tournament 500 this year. Yeah. You got you got to be in the damn tournament. You got to be winning championship. I think it's fair to say it's time. And it doesn't have to be nasty, and it, it can be done. You've done a fantastic job. Thanks for two national championships. But I think it's very fair to say that it's time for a change in direction. 651-646-8255. What's up, David? Well, I was listening to Penn State games on the radio, and the Homer guy said that, announcer said that this is the third lowest scoring gopher team since the 1950s. So they just weren't scoring this year, and that is on the coach. Yeah, it's either, I mean, it would either be lack of talent or they averaged know, schematically or something. 2.7 goals per game this season, which was tied for 39th among the 60 Division One college hockey teams. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Tim, you're on the show. Thanks for taking my call, guys. I love when you talk over a puck. Say just a couple quick points. One, I do think it is time for Don to go. God bless him. It's been a great run. 
But I, I think there's some things people forget about hockey. I, I want to be devil's advocate to the guy earlier who called about how we don't seem to get the best guys. What people don't realize is that there's more players on a team than there are scholarships available. So they only they don't typically give out full scholarships. They'll come in and say, hey, John Doe, come to the U. We'll give you 80%. Well, then St. Cloud might come in and say, hey, John Doe, we'll give you 100%. Um, and so you also have to you know, bank on the future. If you get all these top-notch guys who might leave early, then, you're gonna, then the cupboard's going to be bare after a while. You have to have some older guys on the team. Um, uh, secondly or thirdly, whatever we're at now, um, <laughs> regarding the schedule, you can actually go to gophersports.com and press a button, and it'll sync their schedule to your phone. So the schedule, that's a, that's a weak in my yeah, team. if you like Tim, if you like, you're a diehard Gopher hockey fan, if you want right. to find out what who they're gonna who they're gonna play at what time and what channel this weekend, right. like just if, if you want to know, you'll you'll find out. Right, and then my last point is, I I, I realize the Big Ten is gonna it's here to stay, and people need to get over the fact we're not coming back to the WCHA. But I think where people, what maybe the Big Ten could do a little better job is, I think one of the things that made those rivalries great was not only were the in-state schools. But a lot of times, the players on those in-state schools are guys you've heard of, like, oh, I remember that guy from the high school hockey tournament. <laughs> I remember you know, that Dave guy. Dave Spihar, yeah, guys like but, that. But when you play Michigan or Michigan State or Ohio State or Penn State, you know, maybe Wisconsin is the exception, but you just don't know those guys. You just, I've never heard of any of these guys. So I, I think it's just more, if people could become more familiar with the players, and maybe that's on the Big Ten to maybe do a better job of yeah. that. It's like, it's a great phone call. Thanks, it's like Tim. they took something that was just absolutely made for a, a provincial mm-hmm. uh, setting, and they got greedy with it. Like it was perfectly provincial. They, it, it's worse than greed. They didn't care about it. They basically said, "How can we get more programming for our network?" Oh, here's how: Penn State joins at six teams. Now we got a, a new conference. Jim Delaney doesn't give a bleep about college hockey. Steve, you're on the show. Hi, guys. Um, I've got a. Pro- Proposal here. Uh, full disclosure: I'm an acquaintance, kind of an old buddy of Stauber. Uh, but my proposal is that we get Rob Stauber for coach. He's got all the cred. Hobie Baker winner. Uh, proved himself at the Women's Olympics, of course, in the first victory in 20 years there. Mm-hmm. Was a goalie coach at the U for 20, or sorry, for a decade, and uh, is all about Minnesota and U of M. And uh, frankly, I've had some communications with him and he is available and potentially interested and i'm so he would dead take serious it. we should start a draft stopper movement interesting 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 thanks dave Thank you, steve my list right now is Motsko. i think he, he's gonna he's gonna be the guy that they go to first if if you recall uh todd richards who was the coach for the wild uh, who was a former golfer uh, defenseman is now an assistant with tampa bay i think he'd be on their short list Scott Bell, who's been an assistant with the Gophers uh, this past year. Grant Patolny, who was an assistant to Lucia and uh, um, took over the Northern Michigan program and perhaps Stauber. Mike Gensel came back here, and I think when he came back here, he thought he was going to get the job. I don't know if he still wants the job. Yeah. Let's take one more here. Wags, you got about 45 seconds or a minute. Go ahead. Right on. Just a couple of quick points here. If I'm Casey Middlestadt, I'm heading back to Eden Prairie. I'm going to have my mother do my wash. I'm grabbing my uh, suitcase, and I'm heading out to Buffalo. I'm done playing for free. Uh, the most important thing is <laughs> the U's got to rip up the Olympic ice sheet. It is like playing ice hockey on a football field. Any Olympic-sized sheet of ice out there needs to be gone. They need to create a smaller, more intimate atmosphere. And finally, it's either Motsko or I walk over to Woodbury, and I hand the keys to West Walls. 
Uh, wow. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know if Wes, I, with his kids, I don't know if he wants that much commitment. He's coaching. got a nice he, little gig right he now. He coached Eastview for a few years, I think, in boys and girls, and I think he resigned. At least he resigned from the boys' job. I don't know that Wes wants. If Wes does something, it's going to be 24 hours a day without question. Yeah. I don't know if he wants that that level of potential commitment. It's an interesting thought, though, because you want to talk about a guy who would get the most from his players? Wes Walls would be atop that list. Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it than just like hockey knowledge and having played in the NHL. you got to be full-on committed to recruiting and all those things. I will say, like, I'd go the other way. I want every hockey rink in the world to be an Olympic-sized ice sheet. But is it possible that playing on that ice sheet puts you at a disadvantage? Because they are playing in some smaller they've rinks, talked right? About, they've talked about downsizing that ice sheet for about five years now. It's just super expensive mm. to do. Uh, Lindsey Whalen will join the show here when we come back. Talk a lot of things basketball.